Blog Talk Radio. Turnbuckle Turmoil fans, welcome to the show. Sign guy along with the coach with the most coming at you from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because he really loves to make avocado toast. Coach Mike Jones with you as usual. Some show notes real fast before we jump into our last episode of Blade Month with the guest today. If you're looking for some professional wrestling today, Grindhouse Pro Wrestling at the Arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana. That underway right around now. Also, later today, like every Sunday, Pacific Northwest Blue Collar Wrestling happening in Portland, Oregon. Also, of course, if you're looking for me, you can find me. I'll be attending the AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view in Las Vegas, Nevada. There's also a show happening in Las Vegas that starts right around now. So, search out that. There's lots of independent wrestling in Las Vegas, so there's stuff happening all over the city right now with AEW in town. Further ado, I want to welcome our guest today as we wrap up Blade Month. Johnny Blade, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. How you doing, brother? Doing very, very well. And since today is the first time we've had you on our show, I will lead you off with the traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Oh, man. Uh, I guess it was... Uh, I pretty much did it as a little kid. At some point in time, I would. But uh, I kind of had a lot of aspirations when I was a little kid. I wanted to box. I wanted to kickbox. I wanted to I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to, I wanted to arm wrestle. And I ended up doing all those things. But uh, I didn't end up wrestling until... 2000, I guess, seven, I started going to the gym, started training in the St. Louis area, and uh, did my six months, put my work in, and uh, started wrestling, and that was that. But uh, as far as being uh, inspired to do it, I seen uh, King Kong Bundy back in Oklahoma about 1980, 81. I was a little kid. Ever since I seen that, I knew at some point in time I'd be wrestling. So that's, uh, that pretty much got me on the track. Now, I know uh, over your career, you've had some bumps on the road with health and injuries and so forth and so on. What's been the recent health update that you have for us? How are you doing health-wise? Uh, health-wise, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't been too bad with injuries. Uh, uh, I would say, you know, I haven't had any broken bones or anything, luckily. You know, more uh, 
Full muscles, uh, tendons have messed with me. Uh, a couple of, uh, like, uh, just shooting pain, stuff like that. Recently in January, uh, about having my back broke, but it didn't break. So uh, just kind of healing up from that and making sure it's right before I get back in there. As someone that has had broken bones in the wrestling ring, I don't advise it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to stay away from those. But you know you, you get um, that uh, you know in this game you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get it eventually. You keep getting in there, in in my view. Absolutely. So, as you mentioned having a background in arm wrestling, kickboxing, boxing, all of those very physical, demanding sports. What's your training regimen like for doing these different things? Do you have different training sessions depending on what you're going to do or do you keep something that's routine for everything? How do you go about it? Well, I mean, when I was younger, when I was a little kid and I got, you know, got into boxing and kickboxing, and that's pretty much all I did. You know, uh, I did, I did some amateur wrestling back in uh, junior high, but not a whole lot of that. But after I got into boxing and high school boxing, that's pretty much all I did until, I was just about 30, and uh, which is that's when I picked up, you know, wrestling. And yeah, I pretty much kept them separate at the time because I was still doing uh, both the fighting and getting in wrestling. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, <laughs> it was kind of day to day which one I wanted to go to. And you're like, oh, you know, I feel like going to wrestling today, or I feel like going to boxing today, whichever it was. And uh, it just kept me in better shape, is the way I looked at it. And you also are known as someone that has face paint when they go to the ring. We know a lot of wrestlers in the last 40 years or so have utilized face paint. As someone that's experienced using it, what tips do you have to be successful with the face paint would you have for the younger wrestlers listening? Because I know some people struggle for a long time before they find something that really works well for them. Yeah. Uh, in my, in my view is always more of the simple, a more simple design, you know, something that you're not going to have to uh, take forever to, you know, put on your face and take too much time. Cause sometimes you get to a show late or you're running late or whatever it is, or you're doing like a double booking in the night and, uh, or sometimes you're wrestling two or three times on the same card. And that paint, it's going to rub off, depending on what it is. You know, if uh, you don't mind the abrasion of something like a tester's, like, car paint, <laughs> like, you know, talking about the tester's model cars, every now and then I would use that, and it does not come off, except for with, like, uh, if you have baby oil, you can, you can get it, soften it up and it'll rub right off. But other than that, just I'd say just go with the simple design. But something so so looks cool, but you got to have a simple design. You start getting too intricate, then it's just going to be a pain in the ass most of your career, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just You just got to play around with it. As far as your paints, you know, some people, uh, some people use, like, different type of, different types of makeups. I've always messed with paints myself. But, uh, like I say, testers <laughs> doesn't come off your face. And then, like, other paints you get, like, you know, simple paints, like, uh, uh, like oil pastel paints, they'll come off pretty pretty easy. But 
That's kind of the name of the game. It makes it look like you've been in a match, right? Exactly. Now, when you were experimenting and you had paint that would come off, did you ever get a lot of heat from other wrestlers because it was getting on their gear or from promoters because it would get on the mat and turn buckle? No, I, I never got heat over it. Of course, I don't I don't use a whole lot. Of, you know, I just got the one mark on there. I could see it happening with guys that, you know, paint their entire face. I could definitely see that happen. Because I definitely had some gear that was a little more, you know, like a silver or a white. And, yeah, if it got a lot on it, it'd be like, all right, <laughs> you know. But if you know how to wash your gear and take care of it, then it shouldn't be a problem. But, yeah, I never got any heat myself. That is probably a good thing. Now, you and I have a person in common that uh, we have had matches with, for sure, probably more than one, but one I know for sure is Flash Flanagan. And over the last 20 years or so, Flash, in my view, is one of the more underrated people in wrestling. He's always been a tremendous wrestler, great mind for the business. He's booked a lot of places. He's made his appearances on WWE, but never as a full-time member of the roster. Working with Flash, do you also feel that maybe he's underrated in the business, or do you think his spot is about where you'd expect for Flash, or how do you see him? Uh, No, I I definitely could have seen him going quite a bit further. I mean, uh, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, as a full, you know, on the roster, you know, at WWE. But uh, you know, why that didn't happen, I don't know, you know, what the politics were at the time, what was going on as to why he didn't get it. As far as his skill and his talent, uh, uh, he's awesome. You know, he's uh, good to learn from, uh, you know, just talking the back and, you know, and, and then just wrestling with him too, just uh, learning from him that way. And uh, <laughs> he's a damn good wrestler. He's a pretty good person too. You know, so even though we've definitely uh, come to blows at times, you know, you still got to respect the guy. He's he's a good worker. But uh, like I say, uh, underrated, uh, I wouldn't say anybody underrates him. Just for some reason didn't get a shot, you know, as far as going to the, to the big, big time and staying there, you know. Flash, as you probably know, at times has been known as a hardcore wrestler. He's uh, done the death matches in Puerto Rico. He's been OVW hardcore champion. He always carries the kendo stick with him. He's more than that, but in certain instances, that's what he does. Do you personally get into the sort of hardcore matches like you've seen Flash do where there's weapons and blood everywhere and that sort of thing? Uh, no, I never really got into it. Uh, most I've always, you know, done really just chairs and tables, stuff like that. I've never got really into the hardcore matches too too much. Uh, that's never really been more my style. But, uh, yeah, it's never been my thing. Oh. One of the niche audiences in pro wrestling is for not just the hardcore matches, but what people in the last few years have termed death matches. We see all death match shows. There's all death match promotions. It's 
definitely not a mainstream part of our industry, but the aspect of it definitely exists. What are your feelings on those types of matches and those types of promotions where you see glass light tubes used and barbed wire and hypodermic needles and things like that, and you don't really see very much actual wrestling involved? Well, yeah, yeah, I can't say I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think there's always a time and place for that type of a match, uh, but you got to build up to it. You know, you can't just have a whole show, nothing but death, death matches. To me, that seems kind of silly. It's just, it's just uh, how did you lead up to it? How did the story lead to it? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of a kind of a weird thing to me. So it's definitely, eh, definitely not my you know my preference. So. You mentioned getting started in the St. Louis area, and that has been traditionally the home of the NWA. We've seen the NWA under the ownership of Billy Corgan become an important part of wrestling again. It was more or less a glorified independent uh, affiliation a few years ago, Billy Corgan has brought them up to where there are pay-per-view events and tapings for television, more mainstream wrestlers involved with it. What are your feelings on what the NWA is now, and how do you think it compares to what your memories of what the NWA might be? Cool. Yeah, that, uh, I can't answer that too much. Uh, I haven't watched much of the, you know, since Billy Corgan has taken over. I just remember as a kid, you know, what I loved about it, you know. But that's what I grew up with, you know, was NWA and WWF and before WWF and uh, WCW, of course. But, uh, yeah, NWA, if it would be the same as it was, uh, that would be hard to do. I mean, it's hard to beat that crew from back then. But I just, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I'd have to catch a few shows and, see what it's all about, but uh, I haven't done that yet, so. One of the underrated aspects of a wrestling show, especially a lot of times with the other people on the show, is the ring announcer. He or she is usually the face of the company. The ring announcer rightly or wrongly, is usually who fans associate with being in charge of a show a lot of times. And the ring announcer is how people get information on not only the show they're watching, but upcoming events, how to get merchandise, all of that type of thing. So it's a very important role. Who are some of the ring announcers that you work with that may not get the recognition that they deserve but are really good at that job? Well, that's kind of a hard one to ask. Uh, <laughs> mainly just uh, trying to think of the names of them here. Uh, I had a guy here recently, and uh, he was pretty good. I mean, he had the act down, the, the dress down, and he was just really. Uh, I was just. He was just out there for it. Um, boy, he was working from a fist open his shows. Uh, yeah, like I said. 
I can't think of the names right now. Uh, sorry, Dallin. Yeah, no problem. Now, wrestling, as we all know, is a business that includes a lot of travel if you're going to do it more than just the occasional hobby or something like that. You have to travel to where shows are, get to the bookings, plane, train, bus, car. There's all manners of travel, of course, getting to wrestling shows. What to this point has been your longest trip that you've made for professional wrestling? Driving about 13, 14 hours. I was living in Pensacola, Florida at the time. We got booked up a rally in North Carolina. And just, uh, yeah, that drive, that's probably the longest I did, you know, for a wrestling show to drive. Um, there has been times where, like, you know, I was out and about when I was, you know, like a flu in, but I was only flying in, like, see family and picked up a wrestling show while I was there. So I wouldn't count that. But, uh, yeah, the drive to rally, that was for uh, Gal's wrestling. Oh, well, there we go. We probably have more opponents in common because I also wrestled for Gal's. Yeah, yeah, but I only wrestled with the gals at one time. It was kind of like a special deal. Uh, I was just looking around and uh, I seen one. I I seen the show and I liked the uh, I liked the layout of it. I liked the posters. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna call this guy. It's, <laughs> it's a little ways away, but I'm gonna go ahead and call the guy. And I called guy and uh, showed him some videos. Like, hell yeah, come on out. And uh, me and another wrestler called Dirty Dog. Uh, he wrestles right in the Georgia area, close to Savannah. And uh, we both went up and put on a hell of a match, and it was a good night. I think most of the listeners to our show know, but for those that don't, Gouge is Gimmick's only underground grappling entertainment, and they always focus on sort of the comedy aspect of wrestling and the gimmick side of wrestling, sort of the over-the-top part of the industry. Is the comedy and the gimmick aspect of wrestling something that you enjoy a great deal? I enjoy the you know the gimmick part of it quite a bit. Uh, comedy to a degree. And uh, I guess it depends. Um, some are good at it and some aren't, right? But... Uh, I, I think it just depends on how much how how fantastical it really is that they're putting you know putting it out there. If it gets a little too crazy, I don't want to go too overboard. But yeah, I, I like the, I like both those aspects quite a bit. And when you look at guys like say Kenny Omega, and he was years ago wrestling uh, Yoshihiko the blow-up doll, and he was wrestling a nine-year-old future in the years to come, AEW Women's Champion when she was still a young girl, and he was doing things like that, and you see Chuck Taylor with the slow-motion hand grenades. Do you see that as taking it too far, or did you enjoy having the niche audience for what they would do as part of an overall show? Uh, it was hard not to enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, uh, whether, oh, it's kind of a tough question sometimes. Uh, I, I like the blow-up doll one. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, the slow-motion hand grenade. 
<laughs> I, you know, for the kids, I think it's a great thing. You know what I mean? I really do. So you got you got to have that sometimes. Helps to appeal to all the audience sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, at this point, my co-host, the coach with the most, Coach Mike Jones, is with us. I'm sure Coach has questions galore, so I'm going to pass things to him for a bit. All right. Hey, Johnny, how, how you doing? Ah, pretty good yourself. I'm doing great. Hey, it's an honor and privilege. We're happy to have you on. We got over 1,700 shows now, going over 10 years strong. And man, thanks so much. Ah, uh, you're welcome. So, did you get to hear the intro song, Johnny Blade? <laughs> yeah, that's all uh, Black Sabbath, Johnny Blade. Yeah, yeah, I've been okay, listening nice. to that since I was a little kid. Heck, that was uh, that song. That song came out uh, really. Uh, well, for right around the time I was born, I guess. I was born in 76. I'm trying to think of when that song was made. It, it, was, it was made in the 70s, I guess, sometime. So Yeah, I think it was 77 or 78, their last album together before they broke up for a while. Yeah, before yeah. they broke up, yeah. Well, and yeah. then, and then uh, have you ever got to use it as your ring entrance? I never have used it as my ring entrance, uh, mainly because, uh, you know, I liked another song, <laughs> basically. Okay. But uh, have you ever heard Under the Blade by Twisted Sister? Oh, yes. Nice. Yes, I've seen them like four times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Under the Blade, I've always loved that song. But yeah, Johnny Blade, that's kind of where, uh, kind of how I got the name a little bit back in the 80s when I was a kid. And uh, and then, of course, I just used it later, you know, when I was much older getting into wrestling. But uh, I listened to it a lot and... Uh, my friends, a couple of my friends called me Johnny Blade, so it kind of stuck with me a little bit at that point in time. I was a uh, Army brat growing up, and we I was living in uh, oh, Oklahoma at the time. And I was I was a little kid. And I was like maybe five or six, and I'd be listening to Black Sabbath, so <laughs> that uh, Johnny Blade kind of stuck with me. All right, nice. And then, uh, man, we've, we've seen your career. Man, you've had quite the career. Man, it's impressive. Yeah, thank you. And then who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was wrestling, sports, or ordinary life? Well, I mean, always my dad. Uh, just, you know, in the military, he kind of ta- taught me my work ethic. Uh, you know, he's waking up every morning. He'd work out before he'd go and uh, before, you know, before I'd go to school or whatever. And he ended up running some, a couple marathons. And I'd, uh, you know, so I'd try to run with him. Of course, I wouldn't, you know, go too far when he was training. But uh, it was just I looked up to him. As far as uh, sports figures, uh, you know, boxing, I had a lot of them. I like Hector Macho Camacho, Tyson, you know, like all those people. Kickboxing, uh, Don the Dragon Wilson, uh, Dennis Alexio, and uh, boxing, you know, more boxing, I like Rocky Marciano. Uh, I like to read up a lot of the old boxers, Jack Johnson, uh, Joe Dempsey, all those guys. And then, uh, let's see, that's pretty much about it. Well, Dan Marino. Everybody likes Dan Marino uh, football. <laughs> but yes, definitely. Those are British heroes. Impressive. Okay. One of our standard questions on the show, I'm sure Sign Guy would like to know, what's your favorite coffee to drink? My favorite coffee? <laughs> Black. Yes. Okay. 
this Max Maxwell House if it's just going to be like a regular you you know you can go buy it. Okay. Yeah, Maxwell House Black. I don't like. What are, some, what are some of the different characters you've worked in wrestling? Uh, well, I mean, uh, here recently was uh, as far as this past year, anyway, as far as names wise that you know, uh, Bob Orton. I, I did a match with him, and uh, we did one over in Illinois in uh, Brownsville, and that was a good match. Uh, liked working him. Uh, a few years back, we Chick Donovan. Down in uh, uh, Georgia or Alabama somewhere. My, yeah, I think it was uh, Alabama, Dothan. Yeah, Dothan, Alabama, I think. Uh, uh, I want quite a few characters. Uh, quite a few here in the area. Well, you know Flash Flanagan. I'm sure you've seen that match. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's been quite a few. So, so have you done any my other characters? Oh, excuse me. Keep going. Uh, go ahead. I go ahead. No, I, I inter- go ahead. I say my my favorite to work was probably that chick Donovan down. Uh, I worked him down in uh, Dothan. That was a just a good match. He taught me quite a bit. All right, awesome. Okay, and we got a question for from one of our longtime callers. Would Johnny Blade consider teaming with Roger Blade to form a tag team called the Blade Joggers? The Blade <laughs> Joggers. They not the Blade Runners. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the Blade Runners, but the Blade Joggers. Well, you know, we could work with the name, maybe, maybe Lethal Weapons, but uh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, anything's possible. All right, yeah, the founder of Turnbuckle Turmoil, QT Vokes, he would always have some off the wall questions, but now we got Kurt Ferris who likes to give us to him since Q, uh, QT's on on leave right now. We hope, we're hoping that he can come back sometime soon, but for now, I'm taking his place, and it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Okay, and then, so what other characters have you worked in wrestling besides Johnny Blade? I used to do, like, a little samurai character, uh, you know, mask and everything, and I had, like, the, uh, you know, basically the whole get-up, but I was just a... Uh, I was just a fill-in here and there, uh, you know, like on a match or cancel or something, I come in and do that. But other than that, Johnny Blake, that's all I care to do. All right. And then what's your self-defense background? Uh, well, like, like I said, mostly boxing and kickboxing. I did some uh, amateur wrestling, and uh, I've done some martial arts here and there, but it's mostly boxing and kickboxing. Did you play sports in high school and growing up? Uh, nope, <laughs> sure didn't. Never was a team. Uh, never was a team guy. I was always a one-on-one physical. And uh, All right. I went to, uh, you know, like high school I went to didn't have amateur wrestling at the time, so didn't have that. I did play golf. So, what was your best golf game? Oh, geez. Well, probably the forties. I like a nine, like a. Over nine holes. We had a nine hole course. So over nine holes, yeah, I never get thirty six, which would be par. I get like forty three, maybe forty four. All right. And then let me see, what were some of your most memorable matches you've seen or been involved with? Well, like I was uh telling uh Jason uh 
probably one of the most memorable matches, probably the first one I've ever seen. That was with uh, King Kong Bundy. It was against uh, one of the Von Erichs, and that was in back in 1980, 1981 in Oklahoma City. And I guess that would have been for uh, Southern Mid-South Wrestling, something like that. And uh, anyway, seen that match, and by the end of it, of course, all the Von Erichs got in against him, and they were throwing each other around. And, of course, I'm about four or five years old, so. That's probably the most memorable match I've ever seen. As far as the most memorable that I've ever been in. Man, that's tough. <laughs> you know, oh man, that's really tough. We've got a long, when I we first got started, a long time, yeah, well, you know, time to go. Yeah, well, Excuse you know, me, we, we, I, when I first started wrestling, I was wrestling, you know, at times, uh, several times a week. And then sometimes I don't wrestle a couple times a month. And so it, they add up over time. So uh, most memorable, um, a guy down in Pensacola. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Turbo Ted. He used no. to be in Continental Championship. He used to be in Continental Championship Wrestling, and uh, me and him had a match down there for uh, all pro wrestling, something like that, and. Uh, we were down there, and we, we just had a match, and it was just one of the better matches I ever had. We worked perfect. Everything was uh, how I like it. I'm a fairly uh, stiff worker. Uh, my punches land, but they're not going to knock you out. So, And he was the same way. We just worked the same way, and afterwards we became best friends. That's probably the most memorable uh-huh. match. Nice. And then what, who were some of your toughest opponents you faced? Well, that would definitely be one of them. would be him. Uh, um, you know, Death Row is uh, in wrestling. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, His I don't. His name would be uh, Martin Martin Rigsby. No, I'm not familiar you know, with Martin, him. Okay, yeah, Martin Rigsby. He's out of Alabama area. He's he's probably one of the tougher opponents. I mean, just as far as uh, uh, his style and take what he you know what he takes, you know. And uh, then I've definitely met some of those uh, uh, deathmatch people that I didn't do a deathmatch with them, but we ended up having a match, and I could just throw them around all over the ring. <laughs> and just to see them keep getting up was pretty amazing. Uh, Neil Cutter, yeah. Neil Cutter is a tough dude. All right, yeah. You know, that's what I really like doing this show for. We let the fans know about people that most people might not know, so it's really nice to know that. We'll have to look those guys up. Yeah. Okay, what's some of the suggestions you'd give people who are thinking about getting in the business? You're getting in the business, just do it. Dive right into it. And the main thing is when you get into it, get in shape. Don't be that wrestler that's out there that, uh, they can't go the can't go the time, you know. You know, I, the worst thing in the world is get through the rest of the they get blown up, you know. Eight minutes are blown up, and uh, they can't work, you know. It just that's just terrible. That's something I feel is uh, helps bring the business down. You know, when people go watch a show, they want to see wrestlers that are in shape, that look badass, and can actually do it, you know. So if you're gonna do it, get your ass in shape, put the muscle on. Get your cardio up and train your butt off and practice every move a thousand times, you know. So just do it over and over. You know, it's repetition. 
Definitely. And I've seen your six-man match with uh, – you had Ace Roberts and Iceman on your team against the Dragons Guild there in uh, June 6th of 2021. That was impressive. You started the match out. You took all three of them on for a test of strength. Oh, like, yeah. it took yeah. all three of them to knock you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't see that one every day. So, man, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what schools What schools would you suggest for people? Well, I mean, here in the area, if you're in the St. Louis area, uh, they got uh, the Ace Academy, which is Bob Orton's school. Uh, Dynamo Pro has a school. Uh, I think Ricky Cruz is running that. Uh, he's a good guy, a good trainer. Um, seems like there's one more here in the area. Oh, uh, yep. Can't think of that name of that one, but uh, those are the two schools I know here in the area, you know. All right. And then what do you got coming up? Coming up, I am taking time off until my back is good and healed up. Uh, I was telling your buddy I about broke my back in January. Uh, Basically, a kid just kind of screwed up a move, you know, and uh, didn't form correctly. And, and, uh, and you know, that's all there is to it. Went down for a backcracker and, uh, I broke it <laughs> and uh, Man, laid there sucks. for a bit. Yeah, Mr. rolled over, Mr. got out of the ring, was able to walk out, so it wasn't broke. But uh, it definitely, it's in a, it's in a shooting pain strip in my spine, and then I had like a tingling station on my sides for a long time. And that finally went away after a couple of days. And, uh, and since then, I just, I got in my head where my back needs to be. Like right now, I walk around fine. I move fine. It feels fine, but when I start squatting, like heavier weights, I can feel it just a little bit. You know, I I can still put on three or 400 pounds. I'm fine. I put on like 500 pounds. I'm squatting that, and I can tell it's like there's a little bit of a twinge in my back just a little bit. So when that goes away, I'll be back in there. All right. Well, we're hoping that you recover as fast as possible and that, you know, there won't be any long-term effects. It sounds like you're yeah. on the right track, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any long-term effects, and I just base, I'm just basing that on I'm not getting in there too quick because I want to. <laughs> I've had several people calling me, and I'm like, no, and I just, uh, I hate to say no, but I kind of, I need to, you know, just to make sure. Definitely, be it's always if, best uh, to be. If, you know, if there's a lot of money on the line, it'd be a little different, but you know, there's not so. Yeah, definitely. Always uh, good to be safe. And I also seen your match at SICW Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling from October seventh, twenty seventeen, where you yeah. and Mark Houston faced Ken Casa and Flash Flanagan. That was an impressive match. Yeah, it was a good match, and we had a. Uh, I guess what I liked about best about it, we had a uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. As he was the ref in there. And uh Oh okay. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ricky Steamboat was in there as a ref, so that was fun. And then also uh it, it was in a fire station it looks like. Yeah, it was a fire station. Uh I think he, uh Herb Simmons that runs that organization. He does that show once a year out there. And then did you know that Sign Guy is uh really scared of firemen for He's got. I don't know if you knew that. 
I didn't know that. Sign, you might want to let him know why. Well, there were these firemen, and they tried to kill me in a battle royal. They were so excited to win, they nearly killed me. And speaking of Flash Flanagan, he later told me it was the scariest thing he had ever witnessed in his entire life, which was a little hard to believe because I've seen Flash and some scary stuff, but he swears mine topped everything he ever did. <laughs> now, why did they want to kill you? Um, they really wanted to win that battle royal, so they dented a cement floor with my face. Yeah. And then, my goodness, yeah. you were in. Was you in critical condition or what? Uh, yes, for a little while. My goodness, yeah. Stompin' Steve came down there and wished you well, and you were out of the hospital in no time, it seemed like. A couple of days, yeah. Okay, that's good. And then, so, anyway, I want to thank you once again, Johnny, and I want to wish you all the luck in the world, and we really appreciate you coming on. And I'm sure Sign Guy's got some more. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Cole. Johnny, like you were saying, you've been in a few different areas for pro wrestling. Do you notice when you travel to different parts of the country that the taste and the likes of the crowd are different place to place, or do you see more similarity in the places you go? Uh, I see a little bit of both, you know, but it's definitely different – Yes, I'm true. I mean, it's definitely different down south as far as the people. Uh, I mean, you got you get a lot of the same fans that are definitely, you know, they definitely seem very similar. But then you always got the others, you know, and uh, <laughs> the, the ones the ones out south, what I call the others, were just uh, more the uh, more kind of the shit starters, you know. They were just there. You don't get a lot of that here in St. Louis. Here in St. Louis, they're pretty devout. Everybody's pretty cool. Uh, in the South, there's a couple places where you just, uh, you are definitely, you're, it's, it's very possible that you're getting an actual fight, you know, out in the, out in the parking lot later that night. <laughs> just the places I went to anyway. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty similar. The wrestling styles are definitely different, you know. Uh, down South, it was a, uh, it was I guess you could say more of a work, but uh, I don't know. It's just different. You go to the south part of the country, and the fans there are ready to fight you. Have you ever had an instance where the fans tried to rush to the ring, tried to get into the ring to get to you? Yeah, uh one in not real far south, the one when we went to uh, close to Memphis, a town called Dyersburg. Uh, we wrestled down there. Of course, that's when I still lived in St. Louis. Uh, they, I had a one girl jump over because it was her man that was the ref in the ring, and uh, my she's my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time. She was also my valet, and she reached in and grabbed the ref. And when she did that, <laughs> the wife had come out of the, out of the uh, 
out of the crowd and grabbed my wife and, you know, threw her down, of course, before, you know, security's on her to get her back out of there. But uh, that's probably the closest instance we had to actual fight. And the other times, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, you might get a can or, you know, unfortunately a bottle thrown at you, you know, and uh, that'd be about the closest. You mentioned the differences in styles in the different areas. I've noticed a lot of times different parts of the country, the fan bases respond to the style of wrestling that was there in the territorial days more than anything. So if you're in Memphis, they respond more to a Memphis style brawl than they would say a Lucha Libre style match by and large, that type of thing. Have you experienced that where when you go to different places, they tend to react more to the style of how it would have been in the territorial days of wrestling? Yeah, it seemed like that. Like I said, you know, the difference in style, like when I started wrestling in the South a lot, uh, basically all the wrestlers just felt I was too stiff, except for the one guy, you know, that I became friends with. But uh, (laughs) everybody just thought I was, you know, my punches landed too hard or too, you know, whatever. And uh, whereas in here in St. Louis, that was just kind of the thing. And uh, so down there, you know, it was just a different wrestling style. As far as the fans responding to it, I didn't see a lot of that. It it all seemed pretty close to the same, you know, as far as how a lot of the shows were ran, uh, how the matches turned out, how they were played out, whatever, whatnot. And uh, it seemed about the same. To me, the only other thing I really noticed was the style, what, how stiff they were, how, how loose, soft, whatever. A lot of fans may not know it, but one of the traditions that started many, many, many decades ago in pro wrestling is a wrestler would shake hands as stiff or as loose as what they worked in the ring as a way of telling people that they didn't know how they would be when they wrestled. Uh, It's sort of a lost tradition. You don't see people that really understand it as much anymore. When you were breaking into the business, did you learn that aspect of it, the shake hands stiffer since you were going to be stiffer in the ring? Yeah, I learned that right away. Like, uh, like we know, you go to shake with some hands. It's more of a you go within with a little bit more of a loose or a soft touch when you shake, and uh, that you know that let your opponent know that you're going to protect them in the ring, and that's how we were taught anyway. And uh, even though the punches can be stiffer, you can always make it to where they're protected. You know that they're not actually going to get hurt. So, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Another tradition that started in the probably 20s or 30s was wiping your boots on the apron before you entered the ring. It was when trachoma was a disease that was widely spread in wrestling because of wrestling on dirty mats. It stayed as a tradition as you were showing respect for your opponent in the ring. But a lot of the younger wrestlers I've noticed don't 
tend to fully grasp it. They don't seem to know why they're told to wipe their boots. Is that a tradition that you're seeing upheld in yeah, the areas definitely. where you go, or is it also a lost tradition? Yeah, I would say everywhere I went, that's pretty much a tradition. Wipe your boots as soon as you get there. Even even showtime, you know, whether you're you know working out in the in the gym, you know, definitely do it. And then uh, showtime, when you get up on the ring, that's one of the first things to do. As far as you know, I was taught. Anyway, get up there, get your you know, sweep off your boots and get there and start wrestling. Uh, obviously, in 2022, it's easier to maintain cleanliness of a ring than it was when that tradition started, but as you probably are well aware, the cleanliness and sanitation of rings can vary a huge amount on the independent circuit. Some people bleach down the turnbuckles and the ropes in between every single match. Uh, Some companies monthly will pressure wash the mat and disinfect it. Some companies go months and months and you can still see the same stains that were there like months earlier that just never got cleaned. What do you think of the sanitation of the rings based on what you're seeing in the last few years? I think it's, I think it's a good thing, really. <laughs> like you say, in the independence, a lot of the rings could use the cleaning anyway. You know, so it's definitely nice to see them do it. Uh, whether you feel it's helping as far as with the pandemic or anything, you know, that's another topic, but it's definitely nice to see them do it. It just shows they, you know, care a little more about the cleanliness of their equipment. So I definitely feel it helps. As far as the rings go, the physical wrestling rings, I know you've been in a lot of them and, Rings can vary quite a bit as far as how they're made, the dimensions of it, a lot of times the materials used to build the rings. What's been your favorite actual physical ring where you've wrestled? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, there's uh, the, uh, the ring that used to be in TNA, the uh, six-sided ring. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the six-sided ring. There's one like that. Uh, there's this company that used out in Evansville, Indiana, called uh, oh, I'm trying to think of this one. It was um, Coliseum Championship Wrestling, and they had a six-sided ring, and that ring was it. It bumped great. It worked great. I like the I like the difference of it. The ropes were perfect, but yeah, that was probably the best ring I was in. A few times I've been a six-sided ring. A lot of times the wrestlers would complain that the angles would throw them off as far as running the ropes and knowing where in the ring to be at different points. Did you have any adjustments you had to make as far as that goes when you got into a six-sided ring the first time, or was it a pretty easy transition for you? It was a fairly easy transition for me. I didn't, uh, you know, for whatever reason, um, 
<laughs> it was the only time I was ever in it. It's the only time I've been in it since. And uh, it was just a great match, and it worked out perfect. It didn't uh, bother me a bit. You're either – I mean, you're bouncing on one rope, you go on the next, right? <laughs> right. You know, but I, mean, I can see why – I can see if you were to have a really complicated spot, it might throw you off. But a complicated spot, you can be all right. Body slam's going to be a body slam no matter the dimensions, I would think. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we have a few minutes left in the show, but I want to make absolutely sure you have ample time. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners today, plug and promote anything and everything you want, social medias, merchandise, upcoming shows, your favorite laundromat, anything at all, floor is yours. All I can say is stay tuned. You know, like I said, right now I'm taking the time off, and uh, I'm hoping by January everything's going to be good with the back and everything's going to be nice, clean. I can take off, start wrestling a whole bunch again, at least every week, a couple times a week, hopefully. And uh, you'll see me out there. All my St. Louis fans, they, they know me, you know, and uh, I know a lot of them have been contacting me. Can't wait to see me. And when I come back, don't worry if you want shirts. You know I got shirts, and I'll, I'll have it all. It'll be good. All right. Well, Johnny Wade, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us. We definitely appreciate it. Coach, you got anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I want to no, thank man, everybody I'm good. for. Uh, oh. oh no, go problem. Go, uh, thanks I again, Johnny. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank. Appreciate You're it. welcome. Yeah, you know. Uh, Want to continue to plug uh, the Coach Mike Jones podcast? You had a good good show yesterday. I had Jeff the G come on. He was a vast knowledge of MMA. And then we got to talk all things Fitness Quest with Brad Swartz, Jake Swartz, Wayne Swartz, and Tommy Yu. They got the Biggest Loser coming up this week. I'm enrolled in the Biggest Loser contest. They got up to five thousand dollars in prizes. And I'm on Man. Team Jake. Yeah, I'm on Team Jake. I'm really proud of that. And hopefully, they say the average person loses 30 pounds. So I definitely need to lose 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I, I just dropped about five. <laughs> okay, nice. And then uh, you can also check me out at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most. Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews from wrestlers and celebrities all over the world. And then we also got the Seattle Mariners Organizational Report, the Cincinnati Reds Organizational Report that myself and Sign Guy's been doing. And then if you need a car in the Northwest, you can check out S&S Best Auto Sales in Auburn. They also have online. Tell them Wild Lyle and Coach Mike Jones sent you. And then don't forget to check out Big Boys Towing if you need a tow in the Northwest. Tell them Coach Mike sent you. Then June 18th in Marysville, we got the Strawberry Festival. Uh, up there in Marysville, CPW is holding that event, and they've got all kinds of promotions from the Northwest and I think even Canada coming to represent in, at Marysville Strawberry Festival. The Real School Army will be in the house with uh, myself, Wild Lyle, 
Sunny Days, Moondog Ace. We might even have a few surprises of other members coming. Uh, and then also, Wild Lyle will be defending his title against Chuck Payne at the Marysville Strawberry Festival. And then on July 16th, we got the Fitness Quest charity show for the Auburn Slam Wrestling Academy. We're li- really looking forward to that showcase show. With CPW and NGW are uh, doing the charity for Fitness Quest. And then also don't forget to check out BCW every Sunday in Portland. And they've got some other big shows. Uh, 5CC's got a show coming up here. Uh, Shane Taylor who's, was uh, has been in the Real School Army. is going to be going against Caden Cassidy. I guess they got two shows in a row. HBQ will be wrestling Caden Cassidy the day before. So Caden Cassidy's got a tall order to uh, face there. Do you have any more information on that 5CC show? Uh, it will be up there in Bellingham, Washington, and they're also bringing in former guests of this very show, Thunder Kitty. Oh, nice. Yes, I'd love to have her in NGW one day. Yes, so we appreciate everybody, and don't forget to check out Chicken Bob. Chicken Bob flew all the way down there to Vegas, right, Sign? Yes, and boy, are his wings tired. And then what about episode 533 of Sign of the Times? Working on it. It has been filmed. We're working on uploading it. It should be ready soonish. And that'll be at an undisclosed disclosed location, right? Or are you disclosing it? I don't know if I should disclose it at this time. Okay. Looking forward to seeing that. And sign guys all over social media, right? Indeed. You can find me on the Book of Faces, the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube. So search it out. And uh, Chicken Bob updating his Instagram several times a day while he's here in Las Vegas. Chicken underscore Bob underscore wrestling. Nice. All right, well, Coach, I think that does it for another successful interview. Johnny Blade, thank you one more time for being on today's wrap-up play month. Great having you. Hopefully we'll cross paths at some point. Oh, I'm sure we will. Hey, Sign. All right. Yeah, Coach. Sign, I don't want want to forget uh, Northwest Pro, June 11th. They're going to be having a show, too. Are you going to be on that one? I am indeed. Uh, yes, June 11th. Okay, nice, yes. All right. Also, Power Pit in uh, Roseburg, Oregon, next Saturday. Oh, and then I guess a couple more I forgot. Fitness Quest is having a smoker fight on June 10th for all the amateurs need to get a hold of their MMA coaches and get a hold of uh, Fitness Quest so they can be in the, the smoker fights. And then also July 30th, they're going to have Fight Quest, uh, Fight Night 6 at uh, Fitness Quest in Auburn at the Super Mall in Washington there. All right, everybody, check those out. We'll talk to you soon. Where you